Doctor Future, what's up? What's up? King Wells, what's up, King? What's up? What's up? Could I ask you a question, Pete? Sure, Johnny. Anything. to listen to Johnny. <laughs> Are you unique people? Peculiar? Strange people? What's up? What's up? What's up? right now i'm either out in the field working i'm either driving or i'm in rehearsal either way leave a message and i will call you back as soon as i can when i can lord willing hey it's your boy johnny rick and i'm down here at the old iron show studio and i tried to get a hold of you to do the intro for our new session with tom bionic Busy boy! Oh yeah, that's right. But you weren't here. But at least the listening audience has you on cell phone. Giving your message about how you would be here if you were there by your cell phone answering it. So, uh, I love you, Rick. And, uh, Happy Iron Show to you. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, yeah. But to the rest of you, welcome to the Iron Show. It's your boy Johnny, and I'm down here. And I have put together a wonderful session for you with co-host of Future Quake, Fizzy Boy, Bionic! Oh yeah! I was hanging out with Tom Bionic. I called him on his cell phone while he was riding his bicycle around Nashville. And uh, it's such an honor to bring you this session with Busy Boy, Tom Bionic! Alright! What's up? What's up? Here we go!
Hey, busy boy, what's up, man? Uh, I'm just sitting here on my bicycle. Yeah, I got, I got me a, uh, one of them, uh, uh, well, it's supposed to be a hybrid, but it's really a street bike. It's a uh, 21 speed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 21 speed. It's a, uh, it's one of the really nice specialized, and, uh. Oh, cool, man. Right yeah. on. Oh, yeah, I, like, live on that thing in the summer, man. Yeah, I love, bicycles are the best, man. I love riding, riding bicycles. I just like I kind of ride. I'm an old man now, you know. So I just kind of, you know. <laughs> My wife, she doesn't like it because she wants like to get some exercise. I'll go like twenty. Yeah. Mi- I'll go like twenty miles, but it'll take me, you know, eight nine hours, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to explore every little bit of terrain, you know. What I really like. Yeah. Yeah, I like to be in the city. I don't like the country biking. Mm-hmm. Because I like all that weird, you know, terrain, all the, you know, all the weird angles and the, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love to cruise from one side of the city all the way to the other, just going through every little parking lot, behind every store. And I like riding motorcycles, but I kind of gave it up. Cause... It's too dangerous for me because I like to drive fast. Yeah. I would be, I would be, I would be an organ donor within six months. <laughs> Yeah. There would be, I'd be going like 80 miles an hour, I'd fall, there'd be a mighty stuff, and that'd be it, you know? Yeah. Pizza. Oh, yeah. I don't like, I don't like driving, going that fast. I'm a snowboarder. Nah, I don't oh, like, yeah. yeah, I don't like going that fast, but I'm a steep freak. I'm addicted to the steeps. And, uh, hmm. that's like worse than going fast. <laughs> <laughs> I... Yeah. I will. I go. I go down hills that will really put you in touch with Jesus, really get you close. To wow! Jesus. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! Yeah! I I like the steeps. If it looks like the, if it looks like you're, if it looks almost like a cliff, I'm in it. I'm 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 dropping in. <laughs> I love that feeling of. Uh, see, on a snowboard, you can you can like. Um, you can hit brakes. It's not like ski. Not like skiing. You got a lot more brakes. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, you throw it sideways and dig in your edge, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, close your way down. Yeah, and what I do is it's like I'll just like you know I go into a free fall, and it's like jumping out of an airplane, and I'll free fall until I think I'm gonna die, then I hit the brakes. <laughs> like a bad dream. Oh, it's you know, dude. Uh, my 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 snowboarding partner is a Vietnamese gangster named Duke, and uh, Duke. Yeah. Is he still a gangster? Oh yeah, yeah. He's a bad boy. Oh yeah, he's one of my best friends. You know, your boy Johnny's. He he came up in the kind of rough side, and you know, there's some friends when you believe in Jesus, they don't leave you. Doesn't matter how bad they yeah. are, they're not going to leave you. It's really weird. Yeah. You know, and uh, anyway. So me and Duke, we climbed uh, Mount Bachelor as a Mount Bachelor is in Eastern Oregon. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but mm, yeah, it's a out near Bend. It's a in the high desert. It's a it's a extinct volcano, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, next to Three Sisters, and uh, it's it's nine what ninety ninety seven hundred feet. Anyway, oh, it's way up there. Yeah. Oh yeah, the. Yeah, it goes so high that up at that altitude, the uh, the ice is blue, which is a trip. But anyway, yeah, the, yeah, the top lift 
on a day when the wind isn't blowing will take you, oh, about 100 yards, 100 vertical yards from the summit. So me and Duke, man, we went wow. up there. We were determined to be badass. And we went up. We, we took that top lift up, and then we climbed the, uh, the other 100 vertical yards and got to the very summit. And uh, you want to talk about steep freak. And uh, me and Dew were up there, and we were actually crying. We were so scared. <laughs> I love that. Yikes. Yikes, man. Because, bro, you got to go in, man. We got to go in. I don't want to go. We're going in, man. <laughs> it was. Yeah. The, and then, to top it off, uh, there was a guy about... Oh, about six hours later, did the same thing and got in an avalanche and broke all his bones and was on. Uh, he was on a, a a TV show called "It's a Miracle." So there's a story for you. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I know. Robert Hyde uh, ignored me and ignored me and ignored me when I was sending him emails. I finally. Yeah, you kind of me. Yeah. You know what? You know, I finally at, ended up. The Longshoreman came out. In me, and I, I finally uh, sent him an email that said, "You're going to be on the Iron Show, or I'm going to make you." <laughs> and then I met him at the conference. Man, I couldn't make him do nothing. He's a tough old boy. Yeah, he's a he's his own man. He, he, will, not, a, he will not be swayed. Yeah, he's a. You know, he's got long hair, and you can tell that he's uh, he's got his own ideas about, you know, life and, you know. Everything. Yep. Everything. Yeah. And, and that's cool, man, because if you have ideas that are different than his, as long as they aren't evil, he's okay with it, you know. He is a seriously hardcore Christian, but he's also, he's also like a, almost like a hippie, but he's not, he's not a hippie. In some ways, yeah, yeah, I'd I mean, agree with that. They, uh, I mean, it's obvious that he's, you know, he's committed to being an individual because, I mean, think about it. He's a, he's a teacher at a Christian school. I mean, if he's, uh, right? Yeah. And he's, he's got his long hair and stuff, and you know, you know those, the staff doesn't like that. I mean, come on. No, they don't like it too much. And, but he's so good, probably, that. Yeah, the kids just, kids just like freak out, love it. Really? Yeah. He's a he's a heck of a nice guy. I mean, he is. I could call him up right now and say, Robert, I got to bend your ear about something serious. And he'd be like, All right, go ahead. Oh. And wow. like two hours later, he'd be, you know, we'd be talking about it. Yeah. You know, really, really real. You know, if there's if there's like a real issue and all of those types of things. He's also learned not to say anything where he doesn't. Uh, where he can't say something uh, intelligent or bettering of the situation, you know. He won't add to it just to add to it, you know. That's interesting. I don't think I know anybody really like that. Um, so a lot of times he'll be silent and you think he's like, you know, something other than what he is, which is he isn't willing to contribute anything unless he can help. Or... Yeah. Whoa. He might ask, you know, he might ask questions, you know, for informational to increase his knowledge or anything. But he's not just, you know, it's it's a, it's a different different thing. It's really cool. <clears throat> Whoa, I 
I thought I had the impression that he was kind of um, kind of unapproachable. That's the I don't know why where I got that. Well, you know, like he's his own man. It's not like he won't be swayed, and people tend to think that they tend to put the idea on it. Oh, well, he just not just not want to talk to me because I'm lowly or something. No, it's not that at all. He just if he doesn't have anything to add, doesn't think he can add anything to it, or just doesn't feel comfortable with the situation, or just isn't ready to express his opinions yet, he won't. That's a that's the mark of a real uh, person with integrity. I mean. Think yeah. about it. You yeah, know, Robert is Robert has got a uh, bucket full of integrity. You know, uh, your boy Johnny, he'll he'll just run his mouth just to run his mouth. I'm like not that way. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a hard skill. Yeah, I think he got it. He really he really admires the Amish and uh, you know that the sort of the old old school Anabaptist, you know. He admires their dedication to simplicity and stuff. What? And I think that that part of that comes from that. My wife's well like that. Yeah. My wife's That's like cool. that. It's yeah, it's um you know what it really is is um they hate the world. They're Christians who hate the world. And you know, Jesus calls on us to hate the world. Uh, not not the people in the world but the world system and i'm no good at that i i still love the world i like fast cars i like i like action movies you know shame on me you know yeah that's a that's a tough one man i i I have trouble really drawing a line between stuff that is just generally enjoyable you know and uh sometimes i feel like i'm like i shouldn't be enjoying it but then other times it's like well I can just I'm, I'm okay with just sort of taking it for what it is. I can go watch like like the new Thor movie and not feel overly guilty because I can kind of see through it and you know I like seeing them you know the the, the bad guy lose and the good guy win and all that stuff you know. Yeah, plus it's literature, it's art. You know that's what I always tell my <laughs> wife. You know when I watch these wild movies, because really to me I really do I really do feel that way. I mean you know this is a huge work of art. You know, and I'm interested in art. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true, go. though. It's true, though. Yeah. You know, I, ever since the beginning, um, I've been like a free thinker as a believer. Uh, right off the bat, um, you know, I was taught in this Pentecostal church, and a lot of churches teach it. It's uh, that thing about where uh, if you spend too much time doing something other than worshiping God then you've created an idol and you're guilty of idolatry. And I just call, mm-hmm. I still, to this day, you cannot convince me that's idolatry. You have to actually worship that. Worship whatever you're sure. doing as your God, as your helper. And uh, I'm sorry. You well, know, I, I, I think you can spend, I think you can spend more time doing something other than worshiping God. And it's still not being an idol. You know, I don't know anybody who worships God eight hours a day. You know, they'll get around They'll get around that by saying, oh, I worship God all the time and all the actions I do and all this stuff. But that's not really what they mean. You know, people spend eight hours at work. You know, people spend 24 hours a day alive. Do they, do they worship life more than death in Christ? I don't, you know. Uh, you can take that analogy too far. Thank uh, I you. I think... Uh, I think the, point, the only point that, that really bears making there is the fact that 
um, it's like you know it's important that it's important that you don't put other things before Jesus you know but that's a conflict of that's a problem with your priorities you're not guilty of idolatry let me give you an example of real idolatry in modern times my grandma always would never drive anywhere without her St. Christopher medal Sure, that's idolatry. That's idolatry. Although you could say that setting something up beyond criticism is idolatry too, interestingly enough, because what ends up happening is that it's, it, you've, you've assigned it a place, uh, you've essentially assigned it a place where only God is, you know? Yeah, I mean, because like, well, I'm trying to understand that, like, because then you ended up you end up accepting its authority over God's, right? Is that is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Take 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 uh take the Uber Patriots in the in the United States. It's like their view of American of world politics is America is a shining light on a hill that does nothing wrong. You know, in reality we've probably done good things and we've done bad things just about as much as any other country in the world. Right, um, you know the Japanese, you know, had false flag attacks in Manchuria so they could invade China. You know, we had false flag attacks on the, on you know, various things. Everybody kind of does it. You know, China had a false flag attack on Tibet so they could invade them, take them over. Um, you know, it's just sort of on and on and on like that. Uh, but it, it it bears noting. Uh, in that analogy that those those folks have decided uh, uh, in extreme cases that America God looks at America as exceptional right and and if if that's all you did was say look God if making God making the United States exceptional meant that he was blessing the United States then I guess it would be okay with that but really what it comes down to uh, is an excuse to be immoral Right, yeah. Right, and so that therein is when it becomes idolatry. When you're accepting the when you're accepting the domain of that thing over the domain of God, you know, or even truth and logic, you know, history. Whoa! I just had a deep insight here while you're talking. It's like setting up an Asherah pole so that you can have temple sex. And worship God too. I mean, think about. Uh, it. How, how do think, you mean? I'm, I'm well, because well, because like you said, that you set it up so that you have an excuse to be immoral, but you still call yourself a Christian. Yeah. Right. I think I, I, a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think a better analogy might be that uh, when they set up the temple, they had these. They had these uh, places on the sides where they kept the instruments of worship, and what ended up happening is they started putting idols and crap in them. And so those things got so full of not just the instruments of worship, but also idols and 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 you know little altars to pagan to pagan gods and a bunch of stuff to the point where that was all full, you know. And uh, if if we are God's if we are if we are now God's temple then it's the, sort of the same thing, you know? We're full of all these little idols and stuff in, in the, the, you know, in the, the temple storage area. 
you know, and sometimes people, without knowing it, have taken an idol that looks like God and, uh, you know, put it in the Holy of Holies, unfortunately. You know, um, we just had a we just had an armed with iron show. Uh, me and Karen with uh, Rabbi Michael Bug. Have you ever heard of him? No, don't know. He's doing a lot of podcasts. He's a he's a Christian rabbi. He's a Messianic Jew. Uh huh. And I would I don't know my Jewish history as well as I should, but he we got onto idolatry in Israel, or like Baal worship, like in uh, you know Elijah. In the big contest uh, between him and Baal. Remember that one? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so anyway, uh, Rabbi Bug told me that, you know, the Jews, contrary to popular belief, they never left God. They just brought in their other gods and said, you know, these guys can be at the party too, which I wasn't aware of. And then I was reading it, and, um, and Elijah said to him before he started the contest, he said, how long will you be of two minds? Mm-hmm. Right? I just realized that after he said that. Um, the, the, the Israelis never, at the, the, the children of, of Israel never actually turned away from God. They just uh, worshipped other gods alongside of him, which is, you know, that's just as bad. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I'd have to really do an in-depth study on that. I know, me There's too. There's a couple things, Jeremiah, where it says, why have, why have you left me? You know, I mean... Well, yeah. More, yeah. Make it much more straight up than that, you know? Yeah, I guess you're right. There, I forgot about that. See, okay, there we go. There's an example of me who's actually trying to, when he finds out something that he thinks is true... He's willing to have it shattered. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, don't take my word. Find it there. I don't. I, I can't remember. I can't remember chapter and verse on that or anything. So. No, but I think know. I. I remember that. I mean, you know. See, that's what we like. Doctor Future said we got to re- remain joyfully teachable. You know, and that means sure. yeah. And and doesn't that mean like um, being willing to give up your understanding? Of whatever, mm-hmm. and that's hard Correct. to do. Correct the news. Yeah, my mommy yep. used to, my mommy used to say that people who are like that or can't admit they're wrong, they're afraid of uh, losing credibility. But yeah, that's true. If you think about that's it, true. somebody who is always ready to uh, be stand corrected. Actually, has mm-hmm. more integrity. I mean, you trust people like that more. Sure. Well, those people generally make less outlandish claims. Yeah. You know, there'll be. I think a good example of that would be Doctor Future, who's like, you know, he won't say more than he's willing to have proof for. You know, and then we'll do a lot of digging, and then you know, find proof. Or whatever he's gonna say or has to say, you know. So I'm always coming up with strange ideas, you know, that I think maybe I discovered something, and I always I'm the first one to speak up about some weird idea that I got that I can't really mm-hmm. prove, you know. Just hoping somebody sure. will shoot me down and I'll learn something, you know, or agree with me. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's how that's how we all learn, you know. You know, I've changed my views on things. You know, I change my views on tons of things all the time. You know. You know, speaking about changing your views on things, uh, I I have I am totally hopelessly addicted to your um, new podcast, uh, Verse by Verse Bible Teaching dot com. Telling you what, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, I, I really appreciate that compliment. You know, Chris and I we we go with uh, we go with the Bible from. Uh, very similar angles. Uh, we both we both are sort of non-dogmatically uh, pre-wrath guys, and we are both sort of non-dogmatic. Uh, you know, kind of like once saved, always saved star, and uh, you know, pretty dogmatic about you know premillennial out- outlooks and uh, just generally you know all the major all the major things you know orthodox Christian views. Um, you know, we both go to Calvary chapels, both believe in verse-by-verse Bible teaching, you know, all the things that you would say, you know, very similar ideas on inspiration, all of that stuff. Um, but there's just enough, there's just enough dissonance, um, where we might disagree on something slightly and talk it out and go, oh, okay, well, that's how that goes, and that's how this goes, and all right, so that's good. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Or, you know, just come up with slightly different views and just sort of be okay with one another's things, you know? Um, but it is, I'm, uh, that's a huge compliment. I uh, keep them coming. <laughs> well, you know, um, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've been a bad, I haven't been a good Christian for much longer than a couple years, but I have been a believer who studied the Bible every day, uh, you know, listened to hours of Bible studies every day. I mean, even when I was in a room full of cocaine and Mexican girls, I would be listening to the Bible, you know, I would be, you know, <laughs> so I've got a lot, I've got a lot and, and really good teachers. Um, I've got a lot of good theology, I believe. And it's yeah. so, and I, I'm telling you what, man, I've been hearing so much bad theology lately and uh, it is so refreshing and so, such a blessing to my heart to hear such a sound theology that you guys um, put forth in verse by verse Bible teaching dot com. I mean, well, God, thanks, man. I'm telling you, your um, theology, please. your theology is impeccable. Um, well, well, now that now that you've said that, I'm going to stumble over some really simple point the next podcast and make it uh, get egg all over my face. But I, I, I appreciate the compliment, man. We. Uh, uh, you know, we really, we really, um, we really try to do the to do the right thing, and um, I think there's a lot of people out there who are hungry for the Word of God, and they just, because of their backgrounds, they may not feel entirely comfortable going to a church, or there might not be a church that really goes through the, the Bible verse by verse uh, in their area, or. You know, just a lot of different things. Especially with with Chris, he really he really tries to minister to people who wouldn't normally be ministered to, uh, and and those folks, um, you know, uh, them as much as anybody need to hear what God's doing. You know, there's there's many many people out there who essentially owe their owe their their beginnings in Christ to, to Chris, and as such, they 
you know, they come from this new age background where uh, maybe they've been lied to or hurt um, uh, by both Christians and non-Christians, you know, and, and Chris goes to them and says, hey man, here, this is, this is what you believe, but what you think you believe is not really what they're saying, or this is not true, or, you know, uh, shows them, shows them Jesus, really. And, and because of that, they really, really, they really trust him. They really, and they want to, they want to learn from him. And they may not want to go other places because they're not quite ready yet to take that level of trust to go to a, uh, a church maybe where they've been hurt or maybe where things haven't gone right or, you know, uh, people haven't shown them Christ in their actions historically, you know? So, uh, this is a chance, this is a chance to, disciple people um, who, who want to be discipled, but may not, you know, may not quite get to the normal, normal discipling channels. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good for me, too, because it forces me. I, I, like, I, like, I like getting involved with things that forces me to do things, you know, because sometimes there's a lot of things I'll never do unless I, unless I put myself in that position. Right, yeah. So, uh, this, 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 uh, the other good thing about it is it forces me to study the Bible. Yeah. But, like, stuff that I normally wouldn't, like, read or look at or whatever, you know. It's like, well, you got to because it's what, tomorrow you're going to have to record an hour of Bible teaching on those ten verses or those six verses. You (laughs) You better know what you're talking about, too, huh? uh, Yeah, I know. I'll tell you this, like, there are a couple things that really count. And one of them is um, one of them is is logo Bible software. Oh yeah, that stuff, that stuff is so so good. It's just it's it, it's stunning. Michael Heiser, you know? Doctor Heiser. Yep, he's their their academic editor. Yep, and uh, you know, it's it, it really is it really is really good. You know, there's just tons of tons of good stuff out there. Um, it runs really well. You can copy and paste stuff and it's right there, you know, and give you a, uh, um, it gives you a, uh, the, you know, the reference. It footnotes it for you on the page and um, there's just a lot of good stuff about it, you know. I use it, I use it on all the stuff that I, that I prepare. Um, I'm getting ready to do, uh, uh, to do some recording here of a basic basic Christianity series that I did and uh, um, the first two or three the first two or three basic Christianity classes I taught I did with you know I had a PowerPoint and slides and stuff behind it and uh, you're good at that I saw you do it at the conference well uh, well, thank you thank you I'm not as good as Chris that guy is again that guy is like the the audio the AV monster yeah but you got better hair you got better hair well, uh, I don't know about better. Oh yeah, I'm shorter. It's about, about it's about all I can claim. I'm a bit, not as tall. You got great uh, hair. You he, must you must you must have good theology. Your hair is perfect. I got I got big hair. Yeah. <laughs> blue letter Bible. Yeah. I like blue letter Bible. I hang out there all the time, just because I'm audio oriented and it has all uh-huh. the audio commentaries you could possibly want to listen to if you're reading. Yeah, first. I. I like I, I like that quite a bit too. Um, it's it's certainly one of the best free things out there. 
and it's um, you know it's it's just really good. You know they've got it they've got it hooked up to the Strong's uh, thing, so you can look up look up words in the Strong's Bible, and um, um, you know you can look at various uh, lexicons there. And if you know a little bit of Greek, which is about all I know, yeah, you, know, uh, you know about six weeks six weeks in a uh, Greek class worth six to eight weeks in a Greek class. Uh, you know, a little bit of Greek, you know, you can kind of fumble through uh, things because they'll give you the Masoretic text or, you know, other texts like that to um, to look at. So that's really cool. Uh, I like that one. That one and Bible Gateway, too. I'm a big I'm a big fan of the ESV just, oh. for, just for reading's sake. Michael Heiser and, likes uh, it, I know. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's good. It's got... It's got the same issues as a lot of other um, translations like that. I know that there's a lot of people that don't like. They're they're very King James only, and that's fine. I don't. I yeah, don't that, have a problem with people who really want to go to King James. That's, that's Johnny. Awesome. I'm I'm King James only. But just I'm no. Yeah. I don't get. I don't get dogmatic about it at all. It's just the only one I like. Oh well, that's. I mean, that's cool. I don't. That's a good. That's a very good solid attitude to have. You know? Oh yeah, um, I've got a I've got an interlinear Hebrew NIV. I got a new NASB. You know, I've been, they're 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 good. You know, but I don't like reading them. I just like my King James. Uh, just strange. No, that's cool, man. That's good. You could go to you could go to a uh, King James only church and fit right in. No, see, I don't I don't believe that though. I'm I don't believe in King James only. It's just the only one oh, I like. Good. It's a personal preference. You know, I yeah. mean, it's not, yeah. I don't have a theology built around it or, uh, you yeah. know, but, uh, yeah, dogma. there's been a lot of, uh, legalism and, um, I don't know if it's proper determined as, as legalism, but it's, um, it's not proper theology and it takes away from the power and the accomplishment and the blessing of the cross and Jesus and, uh, there, you will al- almost always find these people ending up in Hebrews because that is a good book if you want to have a twisted theology. You can misunderstand that book real well and uh, form a terrible, brutal theology out of it. And that's why I was so grateful. Uh, that you guys had decided to take on uh, a study, a verse-by-verse study through Hebrews, which is what you're you're currently right in the middle of right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're still really at the beginning of it. We only, yeah. Unfortunately, we only get we only get about six to seven verses done uh, a week, so it's not like we're in any hurry to get through it. Oh, I'm so but, glad. Uh, I'm so glad you're going to camp out there. Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, there's a lot to Hebrews. There's a couple of, you know, uh, my view, my view, and my sort of focus on the Bible has changed in the last year or so, and uh, I've really, I've really gotten into studying it uh, um, as 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 literature. Uh, and I don't mean, I don't mean, I, I, I don't mean that's like, okay, well, it's like on the same level of Shakespeare or something. What I'm no. talking about is. Why did the Why did the writer write this? Uh, what is this 
studying it at the context level, at the paragraph level, and uh, you know, occasionally standing away from it and looking, reading the whole book and looking back at it and saying, why is this? You know, there's this great analogy that I read recently of a guy. Uh, he was talking about he was talking about this idea of context and, and the literary aspects of of, of a book. Um, and the idea is, you know, you've got like you've got a you've got a book of the Bible, and you make the analogy like a painting of of a of a train. You know, you've got this painting of a train, and you can get down, and you can look at the brushstrokes, you know, of the painting, or you can look at it, you know, and that'll tell you one thing, or you can look at the painting and you can see that it's in watercolor. And that'll tell you another thing, or it's a maybe it's a maybe it's a uh, um, you know maybe it's a drawing, maybe it's like a, a very nice pencil drawing, or even a charcoal drawing. All those things will tell you stuff about it, right? You know, huh. uh, like why the author give you ideas on why the author did it just like this, you know. Um, and so, but then when you take and stand back away from it, you know, like and look around you, you know, it means one thing. If that painting, whatever it looks like, uh, you know, has is, is hanging in a new train station, right? Like, say it's an old train station, you know. Uh, and then, but it means another thing if that's if that train station is hanging in somebody's home, and it means yet another thing if that train station painting is hanging in an art gallery. Okay, stop, and, uh, and stop, I'm, stop. But, let's yeah. let's just look at that really quick. If it's hanging okay. in a train station. Then it, in the context would be it's a treasured relic from the past of... Yeah, yeah, trying. like this is the way that, you know, like you've got the old painting there. I mean, this analogy, maybe this analogy is getting too involved, but... No, no, um, I just wanted to really quick... The, if okay. It's, if it's in some... Uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, if it's like you, it's an old, if it's an old train at an old train station, right? you got this painting and you back up and it's hanging in a new train station. So what what can you kind of infer from that? Well, you can make, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a picture, it's a historic picture of the train station that used to be there. Right. Or maybe it's maybe it's commemorative of another train station across the country or maybe, you know, any of a number of things can be can be there. Or maybe it's just maybe it's just decor. Maybe it's a famous maybe it's art from a famous person about and who just really liked trains and wanted to donate it. You yeah, know? but now if it's in, uh, if, if it's it, in somebody's house, that usually means you got a train buff. Uh, a, yeah, a like the dude's big on trains. Loves you know? trains. Yeah. Yeah, he just likes trains. You know, you can you can you can maybe say, well, a, a good reason why this might be hanging in there is because this guy really likes trains. You know. Yeah. So. And what was the other? You had one more example of where it was. I'm trying to think of that. If it was hanging, if it was hanging in an art gallery. Oh, then it's art. Then it's precious art. Yeah. Then. Yeah, it was, it's made by, like, it's like a Rembrandt, and it's the only one he ever did of trains or something, you know? So you're, like, really intense about about the train, you know? It's, it's, it's for, whatever, for whatever reason, it has high monetary value, you know? Now, Are you trying to say that um, the Bible is, um, represents itself in, uh, as, d- in different facets, depending on the context that the person... Uh, who's reading it is in. No, Hardly, that's not... Yeah. Yeah? Uh, um, and, yeah? I guess in a sense, that, that may not be quite right, 
or it tells different stories about the same thing or it says the same thing that says three things at once yeah I guess you could say it like that I'll give you you a sort of a a more concrete example Um, Hebrews tends to look at the Christian life from the from the back end you know it's got its it's got its eyes viewed it's got its eyes fixed on um, you know uh, faith you know you've got you've got the, the hall of faith there uh, talking about Abraham and Rahab and, um, and all of these other people there in 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 the, the latter part of Hebrew there um, uh, you've got all of these warnings uh, in chapters uh, two and three especially to not fall away you know um, and so if you examine the book closely what you notice there is that uh, what I mean what does this tell you this is it's kind of like the book of Hebrews is is written to these to Jewish and non-Jewish believers. Believers, uh, you know, one of the things is warning them not to fall away. You know, uh, beware lest other beware brothers lest any of you uh, fall like the like the Hebrews did. You know, where it is said somewhere, um, you know, forty years they tempted me in the desert, and uh, uh, I can't remember the rest of it. Dude, I gotta interrupt you. I gotta interrupt you right there because you have just okay. hit. You have just. I'm sorry, but you have just nailed the core of the misunderstanding of Hebrews and uh, everything. Uh, uh, because because falling away in the context of Hebrews is 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 giving up your faith, saying Jesus is not God after all. I'm gonna follow well, that's kind of, Buddha. Yeah, it's that's not. Kind of the, that's kind of the thing, you know. It's I, not. I put, think you can putting your hand in the cookie jar. It's actually turning mm-hmm. from Jesus, and He is the wrong religion. He's not God. That's what you're saying. People yeah, don't understand decided, that. You've decided to follow it. You've made a conscious choice not to follow God. It's not necessarily slipping up. Um, which is hard for people to understand, I think, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, he's talking about, he's talking about um, uh, people who just decide to go, it, uh, in, the liter- in the literary aspects of the time that it was in, uh, he's talking to Jewish believers who were thinking that, yeah, Jesus is the Messiah, but, you know, we're going to go back to Judaism in some way, shape, or form. Now, we don't know the ins and the outs of that, but uh, that was kind of the whole thing. They were thinking about possibly, there are indications that they were thinking about leaving uh, leaving the faith, falling away, and going back, returning to Orthodox, at that time, Orthodox Judaism. But would they still believe in Jesus as the Messiah? Did you say that? Because well, that doesn't to, sound... You'll have to take that up, you have to take that up with them. I mean, I don't right. know. Right, okay. I mean, but if you're reading it, I mean, in context... When it talks about falling away, I mean, it literally means leaving Jesus. Mm-hmm. Saying, I don't believe in you anymore. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, or Jesus plus works is get, what gets right. you saved or, you know, yeah, Jesus isn't good is. enough. You mean, it's like pulling Jesus off the cross and saying, no, you know, thanks anyway, but, you know, I got this. Uh-huh. Yeah, kind of. That's kind of it there. That's a rough Um, example, but... 
Yeah. Well, that's a, you know, I guess that's about right. So, um, the whole idea, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the idea, you know. Uh, you can go through it and kind of look, you know, uh, like, uh, he first starts by comparing Jesus to the angels in uh, chapter chapter 1 and 2 all the way up to chapter 3. And then uh, he starts talking in chapter 3 about how Christ is superior to Moses. And then uh, in verse 7 there, chapter 3, starts talking about how Christ is the supreme object of the faith. Uh, uh, and then he sort of, in chapter 4, he sort of switches to the consequences of unbelief. Uh, and then in chapter 5, it's like, uh, what was it, the superiority of the priesthood of Christ, where he starts talking about, he starts getting into the Melchizedek thing there in 5. Um, the High Plains Drifter. Kind of pick... <laughs> 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 yeah, sort of. <laughs> Melchizedek, uh, High Plains Drifter. Yeah. Uh, that would, uh, if you're ever to make a movie of that, they have to play that good, bad, and the ugly dance song. You know? <laughs> so you had people that were. <laughs> you had people there back there um, in the faith or leaving the faith that, you know, they were unsure about who Jesus was. So right off the bat, I mean, it says he was superior to the angels. No, he's not another yeah. prophet. He's God. Mm-hmm. He's superior to Moses, which was the highest, you know, prophet in, in mm-hmm. to the Hebrews, right? I mean, superior to mm-hmm. so he's the he's the focus, right? Yeah. And then to fall away would be to fall back to Moses or back mm-hmm. to the angels. Um, in one, you know, in one sense, right? Yeah. To yeah, not- that's. I mean, that's that's pretty much. You know, that's pretty much it. It's like uh, there's a reason I think that he starts out. Uh, there's probably a reason that he starts out with uh, talking about the angels and then talking about talking about Moses. Um, uh, some quarters of rabbinic Judaism at that time, I believe, had developed an elaborate angelology. You know, certainly certainly the the mystical schools had. Oh by yeah. That time. Have you ever read the ranks and, uh, of angels? That's kind of interesting. The what? The ranks of angels from that, from all that stuff. There's all the all the types of angels in their rank in heaven from all that old Hebrew literature. No, uh, I know it exists. I just never. Do you, Do you know where we are? Do you know where we are? Probably dead last. No, we're right at the top, right under God, and that's. And that's true theology. Um, I mean, in perhaps in Jesus we are, but not in right. You know, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Well, then we're talking about the same thing, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. We, so. yeah. Our our place is is under Jesus, under God. Every other heavenly host is below us. We're made to rule over angels. Of course, you know that's not. That's not because of anything that we are except for the fact that we've made that choice to, you know, believe Jesus on his word, that he's God and that he was raised from the dead and he died for our sins. And God will look at Jesus, not us, yeah. uh, at the Amen. day of judgment. Amen to that because I constantly find, like, I think I'm doing pretty good and then things in my life 
you know, start convicting me. And I suddenly realized, wow, I must be a real jerk to be around sometimes, you know? <laughs> or, like, man, I'm, I, I didn't realize how prideful I was about that, or, you know, uh, I mean, you name it. And it's, it's, uh, it's there, you know? Um, but, you know, God, God knows about those things, too, and He's willing He's willing to help you with those and deal with them at the appropriate time, you know? He's willing to lead you to that thing, whatever it is, to help you. And if you're not ready to deal with something, um, you know, you may wait a little while. Uh, it, it, it doesn't mean it's not going to be painful. Right. You know, but he's willing to, he's willing to work with you and lead you through it, um, to lead you into fields of lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake you know and um, that's a that's a that's a uh, terrifyingly beautiful thing in a lot of ways it, it is it, it, it reminds me of uh, it just uh, first Philippians 1 6 just comes to mind that's what J. Vernon McGee signed in my bible after he shook my hand in 1986 yeah. uh, 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 let's do a work in you or something like that. I can't remember the exact phrase. Uh, Apologize. Just give me one second, no. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, only take a second. I know you gotta go, but... Let me do 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 Hang on. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Spell Philippians. Um... Oh, is it is it two is it two P's and one L, or two L's and yeah, that's uh, P H I L L P I A N F I believe two P's. Okay, I found it now. All right, all right. Here it is, and this is what J. Vernon McGee signed in the back of my Bible. He looked at me. I was su- I. It was such an honor to meet him. He was such a huge hero of mine, even though I was a total loser. I had hair down to my elbows. I had leather jacket. I was a rough boy. I was in a heavy metal band. And, God, I had to see J. Vernon McGee. I went through an ice storm. There was only about ten of us there in that little Bible church, as famous as he was. And he signed this in the back of my Bible. And this is something what you've really just talked about in going through struggles where you find out that you really are missing the mark and you're not so wonderful as you thought you were. And how God mm-hmm. just Jesus will just keep working with you and keep molding you into that person that you know into that Christian you know into mm-hmm. that guy. Yeah. Here it is. Paul writes, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's powerful, right there. Man. You know. Um, it's interesting to me how um, how accurate um, Genesis is the, the story of the apple and uh, uh, Adam Eve and the snake and the serpent. You know, um, it talks about uh, it talks about the serpent being you know subtle, more subtle, uh, and the the serpent says, "You shall surely not die." God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. And and in that in that thing, 
in that kernel is like such a deep piece of what's wrong with humanity, you know? From that, you can get evolution, the idea that we can, we improve, you know, we are improving, you know? <clears throat> and oh, we yeah. do these things, and, and we can do that. You've also got pride, you know? Like, oh, hey, just disobey God, it's okay, don't listen to it. I know what's Man, best. Rip. You know? I, I, I know what's best. Yeah, yeah. And then you have, then you have at the real heart of it, you have, um, you, you have the idea that, um, we can be like God through our own actions. You know? Surely you shall not die. You'll eat the apple and you will be like God. And that's really, I mean, that really encompasses so much of, of those places where we're, not, you know, of, of the things that we do, you know? It's like, <clears throat> why is it that I, why is it I get frustrated at all of these things that happen to me? You know, why, the, the last six months, why is it all of those things that frustrated me that I get frustrated at them? Um, well, good question. Was it pride? Was it, was, was I being prideful because I couldn't control those things? Um, oh, yeah. Was it, um, was it, um, you know, I certainly got angry about him and I got depressed about him, you know? Was it, was it because... Uh, generally, anger is like seems to be to me to be like people get angry because there's a blocked goal. You know, your goal should it be <clears throat> to win, you know, win a football game uh, or cross the street without getting run over. Oh, you know? whoa! It's directly connected to pride. It seems to be. Wow. Yeah. And and. Uh, I mean, I'm just sort of speaking off the top of my head here. No, but, but like you're proud because you've got a you've got the game plan, you got the you got the pride. Yeah. Okay, anything that yeah. blocks that is going to make you angry. Yeah. Why? Because you messed with the pride. Yeah, that's that's kind of it. Where? So you, you know, another thing, um, another thing, Fizzy is like, uh, this is what I struggle with all the time. Why am I so angry at somebody who's picking on me? Why do I want to beat them down? You know? Could it be pride? Could it be pride? How dare they pick on a person as wonderful as me? <laughs> well, sometimes sometimes I find it's because there's, there's an element of truth or uh, they, it's because they exercise some sort of control over you in some psychological way. You know, Which is pride. I mean, if if some dude, if some dude who is maybe like physically handicapped is is like a ten, let's say a ten year old kid. That's a better analogy. A ten, let's say a ten year old kid is like trying to pick a fight with you. You know, uh, you know, big strap and longshoreman. You know, it's like uh, you're not you're not offended by the kid trying to pick a fight with you. No. You know? um, Feel sorry for him. You are. Yeah, you are offended by some guy who's, you know... Bigger uh, than me. Out of, bigger than you, you know? Or somebody who might might could lick you or, or maybe one of your friends or something. And it's because... Um, uh, partly it's because of that pride, I think, you know? You know, this, this kid, you know you can... You know, you, you know, 
you know, there's something, there's nothing that kid can do to hurt you. So it's like, why? But this guy, you know, this guy here, he can hurt you. He can mess you know, up your dude, game plan. Yeah, he can mess up the game plan. So your Whoa. your goal is to like, whether it be to like walk across the street or to win the football game, you know, uh, will be messed up. And so um, it seems to me that that all of that sort of kind of con- is encompassed down to pride, and that is that's one of those things that's so subtle. It's like it's. it's it just it seems to permeate all the things that that uh, uh, we don't give over to God. I'm, I'm still in the process of working it all out in my own head and coming to a, a you know even a tentative conclusion. But and I'm working. I'm still working yeah. it out in my heart. I mean, I'm going to be brutally honest with you and the listeners. Is that I have problems with um, serving a master. I don't want to be a slave. I mean, we're called to be slaves of Jesus. And, you know, I, do, I, I don't I do do too bad with it, but once in a while, it'll bother me a little bit. Yeah, me too. Really? You're not, you're not alone. Yeah, sure. sure. I, get, I get tired out, and, um, you know, I'm just tired of people complaining or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and it's never, it's never people like who I've never met. You know, somebody comes up to me, and, and and somebody comes up to me and they're mad at me because I didn't make them. Somebody I've never met, I didn't make them the pancakes the right way because they were, you know, they like their pancakes darker or whatever it is. Somebody I've never met at you know when I'm doing the little, you know, pooping pancakes little thing I do once in a while. You mean that uh, you mean me. feeding homeless people or breakfast? Well, it, it, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Cool. And that that doesn't bug me. But if I'm like, if I've got a group of friends. You know that I'm cooking breakfast for, and they start complaining about the pancakes. Man, that really torques me a lot more than the than than somebody I don't know. You know, that's a real test and of your servitude character, huh? I suppose I don't know. No, I mean you know, um, I mean like when you're serving people who who don't know you, then you expect you know you expect to be you know you know batted around a little bit serving Jesus, you know. Then, if you got friends, then um, you know you don't you don't feel like you gotta you know take the bruises and and bumps you know while you're serving. So then all of a sudden you've got a you see a problem with your servitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's tough too because we uh, in the context of all of this stuff um, by serving we're both servants. And we're showing, and we're also participating in God's plans as friends. You know, He doesn't command us to serve; He asks us to serve. Wow, that's I mean, such a good point. Wow, you just hit me really hard with that. I mean, you know, it's a command. He, you know, it's a command. You know, in that, you know, James says, you know, you wow. know, uh, you know, faith without works is dead. And the idea there, the idea there is that serving, you know. Serving is a natural outgrowth of being saved. You know, right? You're just going to naturally um, want to serve because you're grateful. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, but you yeah, actually you know, believe in what you've been given. I mean, you think it's real. Something, something's going on in your heart where you want to do these things. Right. You know. Um. So, uh, you know, and some 
the other side to that, of course, you know, I, I feel like a you know orthodox rabbi. On the one hand, we've got this. On the other hand, we've got this. Um, you know, that's what's so great about it. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is that um, you know, uh, it's okay. It's okay if you get burdened to rest. You know, Jesus rested. Yeah, he went up. He went out to the wilderness and rested. You know, I mean, he, you know, he certainly did plenty of fasting and healing and praying over people and casting out demons and uh, just all of those miracles that he did. You know, but he also took time to rest occasionally. Um, uh, you know. Um, yeah, you it's know. Important, but... I think, too, to sort of guard our hearts. You know, sometimes we will get so tore up about something it's like, yikes. You know, just sort of. You don't want you don't want that root of bitterness in there. Yeah, I mean, there's situations where you just, you decide you're going to rest. I mean, it's the best course of action. You know, it's almost like, this is a bad example, but when, you know, the Holy Spirit told the disciples to hold off going to Asia, they were doing enough, basically, maybe. Yeah, I mean, kind of, you know, for whatever reason, God wasn't ready to do whatever it was he was doing. Or they had enough on their plates. Yeah. I mean, that could, it could be that simple. But I want to go back really quick to this huge revelation that you just imparted to me. This has been such a blessing talking to you tonight, man. Uh, when you said, we are talking Thank about you. having problems with being a servant of Christ. And you said, you got to remember that we're also part of the plan as friends. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a big role in this. It's not that we're all it's not that we're all slavery. We're actually part of that big plan. And that's a huge revelation to me. I have never even considered that. Really? Well, yeah, I mean if if you're in Jesus, you know, wherever whatever it is you're doing, you know, if you're following the Lord, then that's what he's got for you. <laughs> it's almost no, I mean, like he needs you or I think God emotionally needs us. He he needs us emotionally. That's well, my opinion. Maybe. I, I don't know. It uh, could be. Uh, I mean, if he didn't need us, he wouldn't have made us. Uh, I mean, emotionally. I mean, he can live without us, a, obviously. Do you, do you need a Snickers bar? Uh, no, but you know what? I need my wife, and I don't need her to live, but I need her emotionally. Yeah. That's well, why I married I was, her. I was just sure. I was just going to make the analogy that, like, you know, I don't need a Snickers bar or Coca Cola, but I like them. Yeah. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather have a Coke than than you know be thirsty. But I don't need that Coke. I can drink water. I can drink Powerade or you know lemonade or you know get my juicer out and run a bunch of beach through it or something. You know. Okay, but check it out. When you talk about the word need. What you're directly associating with is survival. Actual survival. Will I die without it? Uh, right? No, no. I, I can drink. I, I won't die if I don't drink a Coke. No, right. I know. Right. So a need, water is a need. I mean, you're going to die without it. But a Coke is, an, it might be a need uh, emotionally, but you won't die without it. I mean... And that's why I think I think God needs us emotionally because I mean if you like uh, 
Exodus 32. I mean, it's amazing. It just it's hit me so hard. I've been camping out there, and it just hit me so hard lately how, how brokenhearted and angry God is. With who? His little human creatures? Wait a minute. There's something more to this. We're obviously very important to God, you know. As some we are people that can really get him upset. Uh, sure, but I think I think there is an essential difference between uh, God-centered anger. Well, there's there's two things I want to comment on, uh, and I'll and I'll take the, the lesser of them first. Um, we have to differentiate between God-centered anger and man-centered anger. God doesn't get angry because of you know because somebody you know. I don't know, drove, drove, you know, drove over his toe or something. You know, God's anger is always, um, it's always like a, uh, you know, it's, it's a tool. It's just in a, in a very real sense, you know, um, whereas man-centered ang- anger, you know, sometimes it's just, but most times we're just mad because we didn't get what we wanted. Um, God's, God's anger is, you know, he says he doesn't get angry very often, um, and it takes a lot to get him angry, you know, um, and yet... um, And worship a cow and have an orgy, that'll do it. uh, Yeah, that will, that's pretty much, pretty much, that's good to get him pretty honked off. Yeah, it seems um, like God is always like um, it, it, when He gets mad, it's because we've done something stupid that will hurt us, and He's got to sit there and watch us get hurt, and that mm-hmm. really bothers Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, uh, well, that's yeah, that's that's basically right. You know, um, the idea is is that uh, um, God is is really. Oh, you know, well, this leads me into my second point. God is, God is perfect. So any, any place where we fall short of that, uh, needs, something needs to happen with it. We'll either be condemned by it or he'll make us angry. And then, uh, willful condemnation, you know, willfully turning away from God, essentially like sort of unbelief, uh, you know, makes him really angry. Oh yeah. All right. Um, and that's because, that's because God is perfect, right? Um, and and closely, close to that idea is, uh, you know, the whole idea that God is, you know, he's like all these different things, you know. He's got, he's pure self-existence. Uh, uh, he's pure, what they call pure simplicity. He's not divisible. Uh, he's, he's, he has uh, a purely unchangeable quality. And uh, uh, he's uh, he's an absolute what they say like an absolute necessary being. Uh, that is, he cannot not exist. The uncaused um, cause. Not, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that idea is that um, you know that first idea, God, uh, God, the they call it the self-existence or aseity of God. Uh, couple that with the idea of of his uh, um, what is it, the necessity. The non-contingency. You couple those two things together, uh, and you get this idea that God is pure actuality with no potentiality. Um, 
whatever has potentiality needs to be actualized, right? You know, it can, i.e., it can get better. Uh, and since God is the ultimate cause, uh, there's nothing beyond Him uh, to actualize uh, any potential that He has. There's right? no so room I, for improvement. I, like, yeah, that's it, that's it exactly. So the idea of God having having wants or having needs that need to be satisfied uh, has to either be defined in a way that that differently. Um, I'm not I'm still not quite sure how you're defining that, but uh, I guess that would be my defense that God sort of has no needs, because I guess is what I'm getting at. You know, uh, something that has needs can get better. God can't get any better, so He doesn't really have needs. Hmm. Well, uh, that's you know what you've just be, you've just gone beyond my uh, my uh, IQ. Actually, <laughs> I have a I have a kind of a really weird view of God, and and uh, that's it's it's almost heresy. And you know the I think God is perfect because He's complete. He's not perfect the way we the modern English thinks of perfect without any flaw. But if you think of perfect as nothing missing. Then you have perfect, which is really basically what the original language meant by perfect, complete. I mean, because you look at nature and everything, it, it's not perfect, but it is complete. Uh, the way we think of perfect without flaws. Obviously, God's creation has uh, flaws, probably because of sin, though. That's probably our, you know our fault, but... God action but but I'm smart enough to n- figure out you know that God really really loves us. We're really important to him. Sure, sure. There is there is some um there is some reason that he chose to save us. Now, we don't know we don't know why that is. You know, it's 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 you know, for some reason he chose to love us, you know. Now, people divide that whole thing in various ways, and there's tons of theological arguments that get wrapped up around that, but uh, I think we can all agree that God saved us for some reason. You know, God, God chose to save us because of, of, of you know, his, something he saw for, for, one of, for some reason he had, you know? Now, what, what that reason is exactly, everybody fights about, but... I got an idea. Um, I got an idea that just occurred to me. We were made in his image. So there's something in that. There's something there in that. Um, since we well, were made I mean, there's, in there's, his there's image. There's been all sorts of... Go ahead. Well, <clears throat> since we were made in him, his image, uh, obviously we have a different connection with him than the rest of creation. Because it's not made in him, his image. Presumably, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I would, I would have to go with, um, I would have to go with the idea that, um, like, we don't know what it is exactly, but I would have to say that it's a lot like, uh, it's a lot like, uh, uh, watching a good king, you know, in a movie who rules justly, you know, versus a bad king who rules unjustly. 
You know, the good king who rules justly uh, somehow recognizes that it's in everybody's, it's, that life is sacred and it's, it's good to not kill other people and go to war for their own pride. Uh, and peace is better than, you know, peace is better than war, life is better than death. And, you know, there are times to act, times when you must do things and time must fight, but, um, you know, it's tough. I mean, you wouldn't want your you wouldn't want your two kids to kill each other in a fight. I mean, it's probably sure, like that, sure. you know. Yeah, we all look at we all look at somebody like oh, I can't really I can't really think of any. Well, King Arthur, you know, the whole idea of King Arthur is that he was chivalrous and he was just Christian. Yeah, and, and, you know, yeah. At least you know, mythologically, I don't really know about the actual. King yeah, he, you know, he lived. Was he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just found um, his castle a few years ago. Yep. Oh, yep. Um, you know, like, the mythology is that, you know, he was good and he was just and he ruled fairly. Um, and he did all of these things. Um, you know, he did things that were wise and, and, and wise and just. Whereas you look at you look at another ruler who's essentially has the same level of power, who rules unjustly. Take Kim Jong Il. Oh yeah. You know, totally, oh, Elvis. totally horrible. Three basic levels of people, like uh, the top level are the people who've given into the government theology 100 percent, and it is a theology. They created a religion about over it. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's horrible. You know, it's basically like self-reliance. So those people are in the government are are you know they get heat and electricity and food. The next level get some services but like no electricity. And then the third level gets you know basically it's a concentration camp or you know a fourth work camp. That that you know he's constantly terrorizing his neighbor and all you know he's he's, he's a lunatic. What we what we 